Some of you guys know I've got three sons. Two of them are in college at IU. One of them is a senior in high school. The two that are in college uh, will be coming home a few weeks uh, for Christmas, in just a few weeks for Christmas, and inevitably, somewhere during that time at home, uh, the talk, probably around the dinner table, will turn to stories about things from our past. Many of those things are funny. Uh, One of my sons tells a story about me, an extremely hot day in Dallas, and a weed eater that wouldn't start. And every time he tells that story, the whole family is in tears laughing. Well, I'm not, but the rest of the family is in tears laughing. Uh, or maybe they will tell the story about how uh, when, our youngest, when my youngest son was about five or six years old, he got really mad at his mom about something. I mean, really mad. And, you know, of course, he didn't know any curse words, so he shouted at her the worst thing that he could think to shout at her. He said, you water boy. We don't know where he got water boy. We don't know what that is. And it's kind of hard to discipline when you're laughing at someone, you know, like that. So then they'll tell stories and we laugh, and then sometimes Amy and I will tell them stories that they're too young to remember, right? Some of them that are funny, some of them are sad, some of them are poignant. And I'll bet that your family gatherings are, are largely the same. You know, you guys will tell stories as well about your families. There's something important, I think, about remembering the past, because the past reminds us of who we are, and it reminds us as well of where we came from. And so this morning, we're beginning a a, a new series that will take us through the first three weeks of December. And so it's really kind of a a mini-series, I guess. And the series title is Looking Back and Looking Ahead. We're going to kick the series off today by looking back. We're going to remember our origin as a church. It really wasn't that long ago, but you'd be surprised by how much you forget, right? How much you forget as, as the years go by. So today might feel a little more like a family gathered around sharing stories that some of you know and remember, and some of you who have recently become a part of City Church don't know. And I think that you will find it very inspiring. I have, as I've prepared this week for it, it's been really inspiring for me to remember all that has happened to get us to where we are today. And then in the next two weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about where we are as a church today in the present and then where we feel as leadership that we will be going as a church in the next year. I think this is a good time of the year to do that, at the end of the year, to look back and then to look ahead. So I want to launch this series this morning by first looking at Psalm 105. If you have a Bible with you this morning, turn with me to Psalm 105. You can do that in a digital version of the Bible. You can do it in a hard copy, whatever you want, but turn to Psalm uh, 105. Now, we're not going to look at the whole psalm. We don't have time. Uh, And if you're new to City Church, I just want you to know that I won't be going into this passage in as much depth as I might normally. But what I want you to see in this psalm are three reasons why it's important to spend some time today, as a church even, remembering our past. You might not know this, but God uh, commanded the people of Israel very early on in their existence to always remember their past. He wanted them to rehearse their past. He told them to build memorials. He, He commanded them to have celebrations, the point of which all of that was to remember their past, to remember their origin, and to help younger generations who weren't born yet to know about the supernatural things that God did to bring them into existence. 
And the whole of Psalm 105 is just that. The psalmist is rehearsing in Psalm 105 all that God did to bring Israel into existence as a nation. Now, I want to look at just the first six verses this morning, because I think we get a glimpse in those six verses of why remembering is so important. So let's look at verse 1, from verse 1, and we'll read through verse 6. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him, sing praise to Him, tell of all of His wonderful acts, glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in His strength, seek His face always. Remember the wonders He has done, His miracles, and the judgments that He pronounced You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. And if you read on, you would see that they're doing exactly that. They're rehearsing how God brought their nation into existence and then the supernatural things that God did to bring them out of Egypt and out of their slavery in Egypt and form them as a nation. Now, I want to show you three uh, reasons why remembering the past is so important. First remembering brings God glory. Uh, Look at verse 2 again. Look at what it says. Sing sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all of his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. And then look back at verse 1 again. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. You see, when we remember, when we tell the stories of our past, we and everyone else in our earshot remembers and can see that our history really isn't about any man or any woman, but it's all about God. He gets the glory. And you'll see that about City Church in just a few moments as we begin to rehearse the origins of City Church. So it brings God glory. Second, remembering brings joy. Look at that last uh, phrase of verse 3. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. I'm not sure that I can explain this to you if you haven't ever experienced it before. But there is something that happens when you look back and you remember what God has done in your past. You know, it's always easiest to see God's hand in your life with uh, like 20-20 hindsight, isn't it, you know? Remembering reminds you of how awesome God is, how powerful God is, how good God is, how generous He is, and how important you must be to God that He would intervene in your life to bring you to the place that you are. It brings great joy to remember. And then third, remembering gives confidence for the future. It gives confidence for the future. Look at verse 4. Look to the Lord, the psalmist says, and his strength. Seek his face always. When you see what God was willing and able to do on your behalf in the past, it reminds you that no matter what you face in the future, he'll come through for you again. Nothing's too difficult for him. Nothing that you're going to face is going to stump him. No obstacle that you face is too great for him. No enemy that you face is too strong for him. He isn't going to abandon you. So you can move ahead in trust and confidence in his strength in the future. That's what remembering does. Now, there's undoubtedly a great deal more that we could say about the value of remembering. 
But I think I've made my point that if God commanded the people of Israel to remember regularly for their benefit, it would make sense for us as a church to remember our past and to give God glory and to um, rejoice in what He has done to bring us into existence. So I'm going to, if you guys don't mind, what I'm going to do for my remaining time this morning is that I, I just want to take some time to remember what God has done through City Church. Because some of you don't know. Some of you I know were around. Some of you probably remember. But you may need a fresh reminder of God's hand in the beginning of City Church. So let me just tell you the story. In the fall of 2012, uh, a small group of about eight people. Is it hot in here to anybody but, but me? Yeah? If anybody, if we have anybody that can go find like an air conditioner and turn it on, I would appreciate it. I don't see people moving. We don't have anybody that can do that. Anybody? Even if you don't work around here, just go find an air conditioner someplace. All right. Fall of 2012, small group of about eight people believe that God is leading them to plant a church. And so they came to me and asked me if I would pastor the church. And I have to tell you that Amy, my wife, uh, and I uh, were not on board with that. We did not come to Evansville to plant a church. And so to say that we were resolutely against being part of a church plant would be an understatement. We did not want to do that. But we did agree to do a Bible study. And the Bible study met at the Crescent Room over at uh, Milestone. Some of you know where that is. Raise your hand if you know where I'm talking about. It's on Cullen Avenue, okay? So we met as a Bible study over there. We met through the winter, and we met into the spring of 2013. And all that time, the winter and the spring, God was working on us. And by March of 2013, Amy and I had come 180. And 80 degrees, and we agreed that we would help pastor uh, a church plant. The leadership team by that time had grown to about 16 people, and we, like, I told them in like March of 2013, I said, "Yeah, we'll 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 be glad to help um, start this church. We'll pastor this church." And um, we made the what, looking back, is a crazy decision to launch the church just a few months later. In fact, in, on uh, July 14th of 2013, to be exact. Now, experts at church planting will tell you that you never plant a church in the summer. We didn't know any better, so we just started. We just decided that we were going to plant uh, the church then in July of 2013. So things got busy very quickly. I remember I sat down at, uh, at our dining room table in our home, and over the course of a couple of weeks, I hammered out uh, our vision statement. What I felt like God um, was the heartbeat of our, what I felt like was the heartbeat of our group and what it was that we felt like God was calling us to do. And so that vision statement is up here on the wall. Read that with me if you would. The vision of City Church is to bring spiritual, social, and cultural renewal to the city of Evansville and beyond through a movement of people who are being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then uh, I also sat down and made a list of core values, things that would define and describe who our church would be, what it would feel like, the things that would make us distinct. 
And I'm not going to read through all those core values, but we do have a slide. We're going to put them up on the screen for you to see. But what I want you to see is that the very first core value of our church was the gospel. We wanted to make sure that we got the gospel right. We didn't want to be a legalistic church. We didn't want to be a moralistic church. We wanted to preach God's holiness and God's grace, and that that's how people were saved, by God's grace. Not by anything that you do or that I do, but by what Jesus did on the cross. And so the gospel became our first and most important, really, core value. After we laid all of that out, we went to the Bible study, and we sort of cast a vision to our Bible study and asked them to give to help start a church. Now, um, experts will tell you that if you're going to start a church, if you, if you want it to have any chance of surviving, you need to raise at least $500,000. We raised $180,000. We didn't have enough people to raise $500,000, but we did have people who had big faith in a big God and big hearts to build a church that you could come to, some of you that weren't even part of that. They had big hearts, a big faith to build a church that you could come to. And so they gave sacrificially, and we raised $180,000 to start this. So at this point, God had given us a pastor, uh, and he'd given us some money, but we still didn't have a place to meet. And finding a place in Evansville for a church to meet on a temporary basis is really hard because you can't meet in any of the elementary schools. Anybody know that? Or excuse me, in any of the schools. Do you know that? Any of you work in the school district? In the EVSC, anybody here? Can you do something about that? Can you (laughs) fix that? Because that's wrong, man. So we couldn't meet there. I went looking for places to meet. I even went over to the casino over here and found a place to meet in the casino, but people told me they'll never come to church in a casino in Evansville, Indiana. (laughs) Okay. So we landed at the old National Events Plaza. Walked in there one day, and I said, would you guys be okay if a church met in here? And they said, yeah, as long as you pay us, we'll be really fine with that. So we started meeting there. And at that point, God had provided us now with a pastor. He'd provided us with some money, and he'd provided us with a place to meet. So we told everyone that we could tell in Evansville about it. And we advertised it as much as we could possibly advertise it. And on the morning we launched, we had a full house, and it was, it was a tight squeeze, And I got to tell you, I was the most relieved person in the whole church that there were people there because the night before, I'd had a nightmare that it was just me. Even my wife and kids didn't even come that that Sunday. That's my nightmare. We got a lot of publicity. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it really was. The newspaper was there. I think at least one TV station was there. It was was cool. And I was kind of surprised. I came from Dallas, and I'm up here in Evansville. Like in Dallas, a church starting doesn't really get any publicity. Here, it was like it's a big deal. And, And they were all over wanting to know about this new church, and that was exciting. But here's the thing. You know, you plan a church, and it's, it's exciting when it starts, and all these people come and everything, but here's the thing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but Sundays come with stunning regularity. Like every seven days, Sundays come. And the problem was, with our church, that set up and tear down every single morning became an issue, every single Sunday. We set up, and we had to tear the whole thing down. We had two trailers that people uh, in our church stored at their homes. 
Everything we needed to do church was in there. Sound equipment was in there. Signs were in there. Like uh, we had projectors. We had these big screens. They were in those trailers. One time after church, a guy came up to me. Uh, <laughs> it was like after church. He comes up to me on the sidewalk in front of the old National Events Plaza, and he said, I, I, I've heard there's a church that meets uh, here. When does it meet, and where is it? And at that very moment, like the trailers were driving by, and I said, well, there the church goes, right over there. <laughs> it was fun. Every Sunday, volunteers in our church would get to the church by 7 o'clock, and they would start setting up. We had a band that came from Nashville. Those guys would leave at 4.30 in the morning to get to church uh, so they could rehearse and then lead worship. And then after it was all over, we had to tear it all down again. But through all of that, uh, our church had grown. That eight people had grown to 180 people. So that was fun. That was exciting. But the whole setting up and tearing down thing was beginning to wear on us. It was, it was hard to maintain over a long period of time. And so we started looking for and praying for a permanent uh, location. Now, again, God had given us a pastor uh, that didn't want to be a part of a church plant, but God had made that happen. He'd given us a temporary place to meet. He'd given us people to attend the church. But we still felt like we needed a home base. And like we looked at a number of buildings all over the city of Evansville. And we came to this point where we thought we had one identified, one that we wanted uh, to get into. And um, one early gray winter morning, a real estate agent called me and said, just want you to know that that particular building has gone under contract. And it looks like somebody else is going to buy it. And I, and I have to tell you, I was so discouraged. Because we'd look, you know, there aren't like a lot of places that you can meet in Evansville as a church. And so I was so discouraged about this. And I was like, what, what are we going to do, man? We're, you know, we'd looked at all these places, and now I felt like we were back to square one. Two days later, that same real estate agent called me again, and he said, Jeff, uh, I want you to know there is a church downtown that just went on the market today. It's got 47,000 square feet. It's got a gym in it. It's three stories, and it's, in, it's really in great condition, and they've listed it at $500,000. Now, I knew that $500,000 was a great deal for 47,000 square feet. You know, I knew that was a great deal. But he might as well have said $5 billion because we didn't have $500,000 to buy the building with. But we didn't let the grass grow underneath our feet. We decided we were going to take a look at the building. And it, wasn't, it was less than a week from the time I got that call to the time we got into the building to take a look at it. We came. We all looked at it, our leadership team. And right after looking at it, we went over uh, to 10 men. And we sat down there. And uh, I think we ordered an appetizer. And no, uh, it didn't take any longer than just plowing through that appetizer. I mean, it was very quick that we decided we want to put a contract down on the building. We negotiated the contract with the people who were in this church before. Some of you may know. It was, uh, they were called St. John's Church. And they're uh, St. John's United Church of Christ. And there were, I don't know, like they were down to like 20 people. And they just, you know, they, they were going to disband as a church. And they wanted to, to sell the building. I wanted them to give the building to us, but they didn't seem to feel the same way. So 
we negotiated the contract with them, and we got it down to $290,000. That's what we were, that's what the contract was for. But we didn't have any idea. Um, you know, I mean, we didn't know whether our church had the money to, to, to be able to buy this or not. It was, you know, it was such a perfect fit for us. It was right downtown. Our name was City Church. Our heart was to, to do, you know, to minister to the city of Evansville. It matched our, our vision statement uh, so well. But we just didn't know. We didn't know how much money people could give or would give to this. Now, um, We knew that we were going to have to do some renovation to the building as well. So we, we kind of had this sense that, you know, we kind of know what it's going to cost. We know the building's $290,000. We know we're going to have to do some renovation. Um, but we didn't have the money. We knew that, you know, in the past, God had provided City Church with a pastor. He, he provided us with a, a temporary place to meet. He provided us with some people. And so we thought, well, let's launch a capital campaign, and let's see how much money we can raise. Now, experts, again, experts at raising, uh, at raising money in churches will tell you that a capital campaign, a good capital campaign usually goes somewhere between four and six months long, and that people pledge to give money over a three-year period of time, right? We didn't, have, we, we didn't have four to six months, and we certainly didn't have three years. We had like one month to get this done, Right? So we talk to the congregation, we tell them about what it is, and we tell them about what we need to do. And in that short period of time, against all odds, God put it on the hearts of the people who went to City Church to give just short of $500,000 to purchase uh, this building. Now that was an amazing amount of money to raise in such a short period of time. God had given us a pastor. God had given us a temporary place to meet. He gave us people. It seemed like maybe he'd given us a building, and then we were able to raise the money, and then we were able to actually purchase this building to meet in. Now, I want to tell you something. As I said, we knew that we were going to have to do some renovation uh, to the building, too. So, uh, the money that we raised was enabled us to buy the building outright and then to have some money toward renovation. Then we went and we were able to get a loan from the bank to do some of the renovation. And then in addition to that, I want want you to know this. I think it's really important for you to understand the sacrifices that some people have made so that you could be here at this church today. Uh, Two people, two families in our church took out personal loans against their assets, against their livelihood, to give us money so that we could do the renovations in this building along with the loan that we had from the bank. Now, again, I tell you that because I want you to understand the sacrifice and the risk that those people took because they had a vision to see you in a church like City Church. They trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had a vision. They wanted to see you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they wanted to see this happen, our vision statement on the wall. They wanted that to be fulfilled. And so they took out personal loans against their property, against their assets to make it happen. 
I want you to understand the sacrifice that was made for you to be here. And none of those people, I promise you those people, they certainly don't want me to tell their names, and I'm not going to. They wouldn't even want me to tell you what I just told you. Because it was, for them, it was fun to be able to do it. But I want you to know the kind of sacrifices that people have made on your behalf. We began the renovation on this building in the fall of 2015. We moved in uh, January of 2016. And what had begun as eight people but no pastor was now a church uh, with a pastor. In fact, multiple pastors. We have what I think is the best staff in Evansville here at this church. And I don't know if you realize what a great staff we have, but I've been a part of a lot of churches and seen a lot of churches, and this is the best staff in all of Evansville. I'd appreciate it if you would show them your appreciation. Yeah. Eight people, no pastor, became eight people, a pastor, uh, multiple pastors, uh, a church with a huge building that we could grow into. And today, those eight people have grown to over 600 people who call City Church home. Pretty remarkable, isn't it? Pretty remarkable. There's more I could say, of course. There's more things that have happened. I could tell you about things that God has done in people's lives as a result of City Church. I wish I had all of the time in the world to be able to do that. I just don't have the time today. But what does happen to me, as I, even as I was you know, going over this this past week, I was thinking, I wonder what stories are going to be told about City Church 10 years from now. And I wonder what stories are going to be told 20 years from now and 30 years from now. What stories are going to be told? And here's the thing. God is willing to use us in great ways. Like, he's willing to do stuff for us so that in 10 years we have great stories to tell and in 20 years and in 30 years. He's willing to use us. He's willing to intervene to make it possible. We've seen that. And he's not only willing, but he's able. I can't tell you how much Amy and I were against planting a church, and he turned our minds. If he can do that, he can do almost anything, I think. So he's able. I think the thing is that what happens in the future with City Church is largely dependent upon our willingness, individually and collectively, to be willing to take and make big risks in faith and make sacrifices that are consistent with our vision state. I want to challenge you um, in two very easy ways this morning that you can be a part of the story of what God is doing at City Church. You know, we're getting ready to launch two services on January the 8th. And that's, that's, a, that's a big deal. It's going to change our church in some significant ways. It's a big deal. To make that happen, a couple of things are necessary. First is that I want to talk to you about a couple of ways that you can serve at City Church. Not, not just can serve, but we need you to serve, and you need to serve and it will help you grow spiritually, and it will help great things happen in our church. Let me tell you about those two places that you can serve first. First one is in our children's ministry. We need people here to make an investment in our children's ministry with your time. 
You just heard Drew Alexander up here. This guy has got a ton of energy, and he's got experience, and he's building something great back there for our children. But we can't do it. He can't do it alone. It requires volunteers. It requires people willing to invest their time in our children. And let me tell you something. I'm just going to tell you very straight up, very candidly here. I am really tired of listening to our director of children's ministry, Lindsay Halbig, tell me, how hard it is to recruit people at City Church to invest time in our children. I'm tired of listening to that. It's not Lindsay's fault, but I'm tired of listening to it. If we as a church can't sacrifice enough to invest in our children, there's no way that we fulfill that vision statement. There are kids, man. There are kids. We need you to be willing to invest with your time. And I, I, let, can I tell you right off the bat, here's what's going to happen when you invest with children. First of all, you're going to have a blast. Second of all, you're going to see life change. It happens with kids. And, but uh, third, it's going to cut into your free time. Gosh. Like you won't be able to take a weekend trip on a lark because you've committed to work with our children. Ask yourself, are they worth it? Uh, In light of the sacrifices that have been made for many of you to be here at this church, are they worth it? And is that sacrifice worth it? I think you will agree with me that they're worth it. Now, I want to say something. After this service, right out there in the uh, city square, there's there's a table out there that's got a sign that says, City Kids, that's our children's ministry. I want you to go out there after the service, and I want you to sign up to work with City Kids. Now, um, this is a word to the men in our church. Men, do not let it be just women who sign up to work with their kids. Love the fact that women sign up to work with their kids, but I, I want to tell you something. The little boys down there, they need to see godly men who care about spirituality working with them. Here's what happens. Here's what always happens. Moms and other women work in children's ministry, and the dads coach soccer and basketball. Guess what that tells little boys? Tells them that the only thing that's important to men is sports, and that spirituality isn't a thing for men. And we wonder, we grow, you know, we wonder why the next generation has rejected largely Christianity. I think it's in part because of what we've done in our children's ministries. I'm also going to challenge, not just men, I'm also going to challenge those of you in your 20s and 30s in this church. Now, I'm just going to say this as straight as I can say it. Some of you need to stop being takers, and you need to start becoming givers. Uh, There is a generation of people between, oh, say, 45 and, uh, and, I don't know, 75, 80, whatever, that have carried this this church on their shoulders. Uh, It is time. For some of you in your 20s and 30s, to stop taking and to start giving, to stop whining uh, about church and all that church isn't and all the problems with church, and to take some ownership in church and be a part of the solution rather than just the problem. You you can get mad at me. You can send emails to seanlittle at (laughs) citychurchevv.com, and I'll be okay with that. But we need that. Okay? Our children are worth it. So go overwhelm. My wife is going to be standing out there at that table. Go overwhelm her 
with people willing to sign up to work with our children, to invest in our children. Go overwhelm her after this service, okay? And then, see, I'm going to see her this afternoon, and she's going to tell me if you overwhelmed her or not. And if you didn't overwhelm her, then we're going to have another talk next week about this. Okay? Here's another area that we need people to, to, to serve in to make this two-service thing happen. Our first impressions ministry. These are people. They're the people that work in our parking lot that you see when you drive up. They're the ushers in the service, and they're also the people that greet when people come in. I want to tell you something. You do not understand how important that ministry is. I hear from people all the time that tell me that they've gone to other churches, that this church was the friendliest, the most open, the most welcoming, the most authentic church that they've been to because largely of those first impressions people. And I want to tell you something. 30 years ago, it was a first impressions person in another church in a whole other city that made, an, that made an impression on me the first time I pulled up in a church in 25 years. And that's why I'm here today, largely, because of that person. First impressions ministry. Now look, after the service out in City Square, there's going to be a table out there that says first impressions. We need some of you who are not going to work in children's ministry to go work in first impressions. That means that if you, if you say this morning, yeah, I don't want to work in children, you will go work in first impressions. Am I right? Yeah, nod your heads. Now, that wasn't enough. Uh, say amen. amen. Now, raise your hand. <laughs> Just kidding you. Children's ministry and first impressions, those are two places that are critical needs for us, just even for us to launch those two services, okay? Now, second, I'm going to say one more, uh, one more easy way that you can make an impact uh, here at City Church. We've gone to two services like we've done a lot of things in our past. We've gone in faith. Because a lot of you have told us about Oh, friends and family members that, you know, like they listen to our podcasts and they say, well, we want to come to City Church, but the 11 o'clock service doesn't work for us for some reason. And so we've added this 915 service. Okay, so now we have two services. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to make a list of five people you know. Everybody here, make a list of five people you know right now. Make a list right now, right now. Pull out a pen, pull out a pencil. Uh, and pull out the program that you were given. Make a list right now. Pull out your phone. Pull out your iPad, whatever you got. Make a list of five people right now that you could invite to come to City Church. And pray over that list. Like right now. Pray over the list right now. And then I want you to commit to go ask five people just to invite them to come to City Church and see what happens. You never know what kind of impact can have that can have on a person's life by just inviting them to come. Will you do that? Those aren't hard things to do. I want you to find a place to serve. That's number one. And, and, not or, but and, number two, I want you to come up with a list of five people that you can pray for and that you can invite to come to City Church starting January the 8th. Actually, they can start any time, but certainly January the 8th. We've been remembering. We've remembered this morning how we started as a church and all the ways that God intervened to bring us here to this point. In the next couple weeks, we'll talk about where we are as a church today, and then we'll talk about where we're going in the future. But I want you to think about something. You know, I've, I've challenged you about a couple of things. 
couple of sacrifices, frankly, that you will have to make. I want you to think about something. What we do here at uh, every Sunday morning is we remember. I don't know if you've thought about it in these terms. But every Sunday morning, we remember here what Christ did on the cross for us and his resurrection. We remember the price that Jesus Christ paid for his church. He bought us. He bought this church. He bought it with his very blood. He bought it with his body. He bought it with his life. And then he was raised for the dead. Now, let me ask you something. In light of that sacrifice, is there any sacrifice that I could possibly call you to that would be greater than the sacrifice that Jesus Christ, our Lord, made for us? There are people in the world this morning that are in churches that if they're caught in that church, they will be imprisoned or killed. And they're there, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about that. That's not, that's not you know, you haven't done anything wrong that causes that. I just want you to know the sacrifice people are willing to make. And if they're willing to make that kind of a sacrifice, if Christ bought us with his body and his blood, is there anything that I can ask you to do that's too much? I'm asking you to invest in our children. I'm asking you to make our place the kind of place that when people come, we make a great first impression on them. And I'm asking you to invite some people who would come to this church whose lives could be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our Lord Jesus Christ, we remember this morning all that you have done on our behalf. We remember that you have bought us with your body and with your blood. We remember that you have intervened in our church in significant ways over the course of the last three years. Lord, we pray that you would continue to intervene. We recognize that no matter how good our staff is, that no lives are changed by a good staff. A life is, lives are changed by the Spirit of God. And so we ask that you would intervene, that you would use City Church to change lives of people. Lord, for our people, I pray that they would be willing to make sacrifices to invest in our children. Because they're your children. They're our children. They matter to you. Lord, let us be the kind of church that invests in our children. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would fill this place up. I pray that you would bring revival to the city of Evansville. I pray that you would use City Church as part of that revival. Lord, we recognize that it is as we trust in you that we could take great risks knowing that there is nothing too difficult for you and that we can make great sacrifices on your behalf because you have done so first for us. And so, Lord Jesus, we worship and we pray today in your name. Amen.